Oh, maybe, maybe we don't have audio on that. Um, I will go to the, I'll go to the story. So the story itself is about this company called, uh, Load Trail. Load Trail is a company in Paris, Texas, and they've had problems before with their employees being illegal workers. Now, it's, it's the pro- the problem is enforcement on both ends of the spectrum here. You've got obviously people who are working in the country illegally, but if you didn't have employers who wanted to give them jobs, then that wouldn't work. Uh, so it's federal authorities went in and they had the big buses that they pulled up and they controlled all of the entry points and the exits and um, they and they executed a raid. So here here's that audio. I would really really like to their cars. Federal agents came from New Orleans. It's a little breezeway here. From Houston and San Antonio. We're getting out at the northeast corner. For one of the largest operations of its kind. I know I just heard helicopters everywhere, a whole lot of people running. And so I turned to run and the first corner I hit, I got I got guns drawn down on me. ICE agents descended on a trailer company called Load Trail outside Paris, detaining 160 workers that ICE agents said are in this country illegally. I knew that these were clearly illegals. This is not the way we're supposed to be hiring. This is one individual who might prove helpful to the federal investigation. I, I was threatened a few times. Made me feel physically threatened. She is an insider at the company and agreed to speak to us if we did not reveal her identity. What was the motive from your managers, do you think? Greed. End of the day, simple, we want to make more money. They greed, yes. They couldn't make enough money. So you would be thinking to yourself, well, there has to be some kind of uh, incentive against, so uh, something in the law that makes employers think twice about hiring illegal immigrants. And I would say, you know, uh, there is. There are fines and there's prosecution. But those fines and prosecution were lessened during the Reagan administration. And then during successive administrations, they've been tweaked. And so sometimes they're tougher. Sometimes they're, they've been weakened. It used to be so expensive that it would literally put companies out of business if they hired illegal immigrants. And that's something what, like what we need, but it's not exactly what we have now. So this person, she would be what you would consider to be, I guess, a whistleblower, if you will. She is, she's disguised. She's got a hat on. She's obscuring the shape of herself. And then they have a machine that they're using to to adjust her voice so that you can't tell who she is. So she's cooperating and she wants everyone to know what went on before and what the employers actually said when she became concerned that so many of their employees were here illegally and working. Um, and, and so here she is in number five. Business was good. She said the company had a backlog of orders and it needed workers. But four years ago, Load Trail paid almost a half million dollar fine for employing undocumented immigrants. You took all this to your managers. What did they say to you? They told me just to keep doing my job, that um, if they were visited by ICE again, they would simply pay the fine and go on. The special agent in charge told us this is a criminal investigation, but she stressed that no criminal arrests happened today. Agents did not charge the owners of this company, but they stressed 
that this investigation is far from over. It's a big deal. I mean, this is, like I said, this is probably uh, one of the larger single-site worksite operations in the last 10 years. God bless ICE. Dozens of employees got to leave the company on foot Tuesday. Each wore a green wristband signifying they are citizens. As buses were brought in for more than 150 of their co-workers who could now face deportation. Jason Whiteley, Channel 8 News. So he sounds so sad. Did you notice that? He's like, who could now face deportation? Really? Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, why is he sad for them? Why is he not sad for the probably black workers who would be working at Load Trail, but for these Ill- illegal immigrants? And why is he not sad for the school district and other places uh, that tax revenue that receives tax revenue from taxpaying Americans that has been deprived of that revenue because these people were paid off book under the table, not paid according to our normal procedures, which means they did not pay income tax and they didn't pay into Social Security. Meanwhile, these illegal immigrants are receiving benefits. They're using the emergency room for their medical care. And we taxpayers are footing the bill for all of that. Why does this man not have any sympathy for that? I mean, these news folks just, I mean, they just... They have no shame, y'all. None. They don't have they don't have the shame that a toddler has in their pinky finger while they're eating up all your donuts because toddlers have no shame. These news people are kind of like that, only they're not cute, they're not soft and juicy, and nobody wants to pick them up and hug them. They, they, it's just terrible. So now I want to turn to um, we're going to pivot over to another topic, and this is breaking news. I'm I'm just again, I guess I'm gonna be flabbergasted all day, so I might as well you know just prepare myself. Mississippi wants the U.S. Supreme Court to define transgender rights. Now, we all know here on this good, good, straight up conservative radio air that individuals suffering from body dysmorphia have a mental condition. They are mentally ill and need counseling and treatment in order to bring their minds into proper recognition of the body that they have. They do not need to lop off parts of their body or readjust their body, mutilate their body in order to have a body that matches their mentally, they're, they're mentally ill. They don't need that. They, they, need, they need medical attention, but not to confirm their mental illness. So that being said, you've got the state of Mississippi joining 15 other states in an amicus brief asking the U.S. Supreme Court to review a case involving the hiring and firing of a transgender person. Now, I mean, no offense, but what must it be like to have to work with someone who, first of all, like every day they get up and they are sure they're in the wrong body. So they dress like a different gender. They dress as if they're something else every single day. They go through all of the machinations of trying to make themselves look like they are something that they are not, and then they come into the workplace, how do you think they deal with reality at work? Well, RG and GR Harris Funeral Homes Incorporated versus Equal Opportunity Employment Commission and others originated in Nebraska. The attorneys general in Alabama, Arkansas, Kansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wyoming, Uh, are the states that have joined Nebraska in asking the court to review the decision. In addition, Mississippi Governor Phil Bryan, along with the governors from Kentucky and Maine, joined the request. So 19 states and more than 300 municipalities across the country enacted prohibitions against firing 
or not hiring someone because they're transgender. Pump the brakes. This is the problem. The federal government doesn't have the right to tell private businesses and entities that they have to hire someone who's mentally ill, someone who's going to drive away their customers, someone who's going to present a face to the public that is not the face that that company wants to put forward. I mean, you don't want the first person your customers see to be a six foot four grown man with a beard who's made up with lipstick and eyewear and everything and has their hair curled and has on fake fingernails and a dress and heels, hairy legs and all. You don't want that to be the first person that your employees see. And those are the jobs that the transgenders are going for, the out front public facing jobs that mean that you you can't have them do a job for you and kind of keep what, what their outer appearance to themselves. They have to be out front representing your company. And if you don't want that, well, the, the federal government's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. That is absolute nonsense. I just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where exactly do liberals think the government ends? They claim they want the government to stay out of women's bodies. They claim they want the government to stay out of people's bedrooms. But if it's your workplace, they want the government all up and through it and definitely in control of it. Forget whatever you started or whatever idea you had or whatever 18 to 24 hour days you put in for two or three years to get your company off the ground. I'm telling you the government is saying, Not so much. You got to do what we say. LGBTQ advocacy groups consider the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 as a key component in protections against discrimination. Jim Hood's office did not wish to comment. Attorney General Jim Hood. Um, Apparently, it's the governor's perspective to join the proceeding. WJTV 12 reached out to Governor Bryant's office for comment, and they referred them back to the language in the brief. Let's get on this, prayer warriors. We got to have some uh, some serious time because this this could go badly. All right, when we get back, we're going to have our first guest. Stay right there. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the very first day in Israel, when we're staying in Jerusalem, we go to the Mount of Olives. And it's there at the Mount of Olives we look out over the old city of Jerusalem. It's a spectacular sight. You've seen it in pictures before, but it's another thing to actually be there as we walk down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane and we pray there. It's going to be a wonderful time with brothers and sisters from around the country visiting the Holy Land, the land of Jesus. If you want information on this March 14th through the 22nd tour, just call us and we'll send you a brochure. Call 1-800-FAMILIES, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option five, and leave us your name and your address and we'll mail you a brochure. Or if you want to simply go online at twholyland.com, everything's there, twholyland.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with a Legacy Moment. One of the saddest things to me is the enormous amount of money we Americans throw away. Money is a resource that must be used wisely. I can recall my dad teaching me some hard lessons as a young man. He would give me an allowance, and usually my allowance was based on chores and the things that I did around the house. 
But I remember him on more than one occasion looking me straight in the eye and say, okay, son, here's the money. Spend it wisely. When it's gone, it's gone. And if you don't make wise choices, you're going to be sorry because you'll go without. Money is a resource. It's something that God places in our hands to be used and to be used wisely. Proverbs chapter 21, verses 16 through 17, Solomon has some wise counsel for us. Listen to these words. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not become rich. Solomon is telling us, hey, look, back up a little bit. Understand that you need to approach life with wisdom. Understanding will protect you. That is what he says in verse 16. Secondly, he underscores the fact that if we live for the moment, we will rob our future. He says in verse 17, he who loves pleasure will become a poor man. If you spend it all on having a good time right now, in this moment, later on, you're going to need the resources, but they'll be gone. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Ask God to show you how he wants you to use the money he has entrusted to you. He will give you wisdom. After all, it does belong to him. You've been listening to Legacy Moment with Crawford Loritz, pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, and heard on the weekly program, Living a Legacy. For more information, go to livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Head over to AFR.net and you can also find us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. We'd love to have you hit the subscribe button and also find us on Facebook um, where the algorithm attempts to beat us down, but we persist. (laughs) Welcome back to the program. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome um, a friend of the show, Diego Echeverri, Director of Coalitions for Concerned Veterans for America. Diego, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about this. There's a new documentary out on the woes of the Veterans Administration. That can't be a happy thing to watch. That's right. So uh, Concerned Concerned Veterans for America Foundation for the last year has been working on producing this documentary in partnership with the GI Film Festival. Uh, And this documentary is called The Care They Burn. Folks can go to thecaretheyburn.com to learn more, or they can go to cvafoundation.org. Uh, and this website travels along with several uh, patients at the VA. Uh, they tell their stories of the, the lack of care that they received, the delays in care uh, that they received at the VA, uh, the, the struggles that they had with figuring out the bureaucracy, uh, kind of the arbitrary uh, situations that many encounter trying to figure out uh, how to get their health care benefits. Uh, and, and some of them, uh, unfortunately, are, are, are tragic uh, and led to death. Uh, and so uh, we were left to interview the, the surviving family members. Um, the, the state of the, the health care at the VA uh, has gotten so bad uh, that we have uh, folks dying while waiting for care. Uh, and so uh, CBA Foundation uh, put this together. Uh, we are having screenings all across the country every week uh, to show this movie, to share it with, with military family members, with veterans, and with concerned citizens uh, to really uh, bring people 
uh, this information and, and share with them how bad the situation is and why we need reform uh, at the VA and why uh, we need uh, bills like the, uh, uh, the Mission Act, which passed and was signed by the president, and w- why we need more reforms at the VA, choice and portability of veterans' health care. All right, so the name of the documentary is The Care They've Earned, and you can find the uh, – there's there's a, a trailer for it here at cvafoundation.org, C-V-A, like Concerned Veterans for America, cvafoundation.org. And you can watch the trailer there, and you can also uh, sign up for their email newsletter where you can have um, different – different information emailed to you uh, to help understand the plight. So you spoke of a bill that the president just signed, and I know you came on when that bill was signed and talked about it, but for listeners who might be just tuning into the show, we're speaking to Diego Echeverry, Director of Coalitions for Concerned Veterans for America, and I'd love it if you would just talk a little bit about what that bill that the president signed into law will actually do for the Veterans Administration and for the veterans that they care for. Well, so what happened after the Phoenix VA scandal it, is that uh, it exposed the problems with veterans' uh, access to health care. Uh, many veterans, around 40 or so veterans, uh, died while they were waiting for care at the VA. So in response to that tragedy, uh, there was a bill called the Veterans' Choice Program that was passed through Congress and signed by President Obama, and that gave, created a program uh, of, of choice. Uh, where veterans, unfortunately, though, because uh, the, the VA has had so many issues, this program was layered on top of the, the VA system that already was quite ineffective and inefficient in terms of giving veterans uh, their, their real eligibility uh, for, for access, because they were already manipulating the scheduling program. So this program, called the Veterans Choice Program, was created so veterans, if they lived within outside, sorry, of, uh, of uh, 30 miles or, or uh, sorry, 40 miles of the VA or had an appointment that was given to them 30 days out or more, that they could have access to private health care in their community. Uh, as I mentioned, unfortunately, this was layered on top of a system where they were already manipulating wait times, and, and the system really depended on, the, on a bureaucracy uh, to operate. So many veterans uh, were not able to get real access to that program, the Veterans Choice Program, uh, so it needed to be reformed. And the Mission Act reformed the Veterans Choice Program by making it also permanent, uh, because originally that program only had a certain amount of funding, and it kept running out of money. So President uh, Trump signed that bill this past summer, um, and uh, we're, we're very excited and optimistic about what it means for, for Veterans Choice, uh, Veterans Health Care, uh, moving forward. I agree. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the legislation has the impact that it is intended to have, but I would really like to see veterans' health care, at least the bulk of it, privatized in such a way that the kinds of things that we saw um, with the scandal of the, the veterans you know, dying, waiting for an appointment, that that would be impossible to occur because veterans wouldn't be so centrally tied to one organization that seems to be bogged down with uh, poor employees. Uh, Diego, thank you so much for joining the show today. Diego Echeverry, Director of Coalitions Concerned Veterans for America, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much. It's a good life. All right. Good to talk to you. So we, we have opportunity uh, within uh, you know, the, the sphere of government where the government can actually do things that are great, but most activities should be in the private sector. 
And the government should be really strictly in the business of making war, protecting the homeland, uh, you know, providing for the national defense and other things that are in the enumerated powers of the Constitution. Once the government gets so big as it has, where it's dabbling in other things, it always the government always seeks to grow. It always seeks to continue programs. They, notice they never end. Things that were started just, look, we just need to fix this. We need to have this temporary program. That's what our federal income tax is. It was supposed to be a tax on the richest people in the country that lasted for a set number of years and then was phased out. But once the government got used to getting that money, they were like, well, not really fair to just tax the rich. Everyone should, you know, pay. And since then, we've been arguing about who should pay what instead of arguing why any of us are required to pay for our bloated federal government. All of those jobs, people just sitting around in offices pushing pencils around. And now instead of pencils, they're pushing laptops around. Some of them just spending the whole day watching pornography and all on our dime. And we don't we don't even we don't think twice about it. We just don't have an option because they take the money out before we before you pay for your bread, milk and eggs, before you give your money in church, before you pay your bills, make sure your lights are on, make sure your mortgage is paid. The government gets their money. Isn't that convenient? So you never get a chance to ask, what are they doing with this again? Why do you need this much again? Why are my property taxes that much again for a school district uh, that only serves about 35 to 40 percent of the, the kids in the district in a neighborhood, in a district that that Every household doesn't even have kids, but every household contributes to the school district. There's a lot going on with the way we view government that's wrong. And while all of us are pondering that, we've got the socialist contingent that's really rearing its head up after indoctrinating our kids in public school for the past 30 years. Now they're ready to start trying out some of the policies from Venezuela. Why would you want to try out people eating zoo animals and pets? And, you know, losing 30 pounds on average, every single citizen except their fat leader. How, what, why would we even want to entertain that? Yet Bernie Sanders and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are walking among us. Yeah. So I talked about this story a little bit yesterday. I want to give all of the details so we can fully understand. Because um, I'm, I'm so tired of seeing the statistic floated around. And that is that there are 235 school shootings at different schools during the 2015-2016 school year. Now, this is not from a conservative think tank, the Heritage Foundation, the Daily Signal. This is not from Breitbart or some other online news organization like the Right Scoop where it's from the conservative perspective. This is a report from NPR, hardly a right-leaning organization. In fact, they're run by the leftists. We all fund them through our tax dollars, but it's a lefty thing. NPR was only able to independently confirm 11 of the shootings. 161 of the shootings that were listed in the report were errors. And four were miscategorized incidents. Problems ranging from unclear definitions and user error to technical malfunctions plagued the survey process. Here's the problem. Every person in the media is trumpeting this 235 shooting number and they use it interchangeably, kind of like the 11 million, million illegal immigrants. When you say to someone, I was listening to C-SPAN yesterday and there was a representative on and he was sounding so middle of the road. It's almost as if C-SPAN told him you can't be on here talking. You know, you got to sound like you represent all of Americans instead of just the left. 
So he's on there talking about, you know, undocumented immigrants this and Republican bills that. And yes, we do need some enforcement and blah, 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 blah. And a caller called in and said, look, the fact is there's 30 million illegal immigrants in this country and there'll be even more until we seal the border. And he immediately stepped in and corrected him and said there are 11 million illegal immigrants in this country. Now, we've gone over how Ann Coulter and Adios America kind of did that calculation. It's a number that we've been using since the 90s. There's no way there's only 11 million illegal immigrants in this country. It's like there's no way there were 235 school shootings in one school year. So the Department of Education vastly overstated the number of school shootings that occurred in 2015 and 2016. And this is an investigative report by NPR. So they were actually concerned by that number and went out and did an investigative report. And then, you know, I'm just I'm so overjoyed that they decided to tell the truth about it. That They didn't hide the information. They stuck it in a report. So the Civil Rights Data Collection CRDC 2018 Spring Report on School Climate and Safety for the 2015-2016 school year published by the Department of Education, another bloated, out-of-touch you know, government agency, stated that 235 schools, about 0.2% of U.S. schools, reported at least one incident involving a school-related shooting. Out of every school mentioned in the report and of the 176 schools that responded, only 11 confirmed that incidents meeting the government criteria for a school shooting actually occurred. Four of the schools who replied miscategorized the incidents that they reported. The Department of Education stated in response to the NPR report that it relies on schools to self-report accurately. The Department of Education plans to publish updated data in the fall of 2018 and told NPR they will not republish the current report for the 2015-2016 school year. So the good news here is that investigative journalism still has an impact. And, and I want people out there who are thinking about this. Maybe you have a, a college student who's considering journalism. Maybe you have a kid who is already on their school paper in high school or they're doing yearbook and they're really interested in it. This is a story that shows that good investigative journalism that's, that comes from a place of truly seeking the correct information and knowledge can really have a lasting impact on public perception and public policy going forward. We don't have a problem of that magnitude in this country with school shootings. Every school shooting is one too many. Every child that loses their life for any reason at all to include at the hands of someone who's wielding a gun is a child whose life should not have been lost. And it's something that we should be concerned about. But in order for our concern to have legs that can actually stand up and support us doing something positive that leaves a lasting impact, we have to deal in facts. And what we've heard from the Department of Education has now been proven by NPR to be unfactual. So the ACLU of Southern California also did some looking into this information. Um, you know, the Department of Education, when they put that number out, a number of organizations, were, you know, on the right and the left were like, whoa, that's a lot. Is that really the case? Let's, let's look into that because we need to figure out what's going on. So you've got the ACLU of Southern California confirmed fewer than 12 shooting incidents and the Every Town for Gun Safety database found 29 shootings for K through 12 schools from mid-August 2015 to June of 2016. Now, the Every Town for Gun Safety folks, they're, they're gun control lunatics, wine box aficionados, you know, with their fancy handbags and, and their overpriced, uh, you know, minivans. And they're always rolling into inner cities, lecturing black people about how it is that they should give up their guns when they live in these 
really crime infested areas and people there should have proper training and gun ownership to protect themselves from the criminal elements in their midst. Then the wine box drinking chicks put their wine boxes back in their trunks. They put their fancy handbags on the seat next to them and strap it in and drive out to their suburban, uh, you know, schools, pick up their kids and head off to, you know, jump around or gymnastics or soccer. They've gone in, they've lectured, they've had their moment in the sun. The news organizations have come in and given them airtime and made them, you know, pseudo famous. They've done nothing to help the people in the inner city who are suffering from the gun violence. And the women with the wine boxes don't know anything about what it's really like to live under that kind of threat of constant violence that that happens on these streets in these inner cities. So I'm actually really surprised to see that they have a database. It's incorrect. It shows 29 shootings instead of the 11 that were actually verified by NPR, but at least they have a database. I mean, I guess they took time out from sipping to uh, actually put a little bit of fingertips to, to keyboard to get a little something done. As far as how a vast discrepancy between the report and reality could occur, some school officials said in some cases it was a matter of user error with their digital reporting system. So Jeff Davis is a superintendent at Ventura Unified School District in Southern California. He told NPR that he thinks someone just pushed the wrong button. The school district misrepresented to the CRDC that 26 shooting incidents occurred in that one year in their district. It doesn't come close to what the outgoing superintendent said was reality. He said, I've been in the school district, the Ventura Unified School District in Southern California. This man, Joe Richards, said he worked there for 30 years and he doesn't remember even one school shooting. They reported 26. See what I'm saying? So, yes, we need to encourage our kids to get out there. If they're interested in journalism, get out and do it. But do it from the neutral perspective. We need people to do these kinds of investigations to show that some of these folks who are typing in the keyboard, they they can neither read nor add. Their numbers have to be verified. Not 235 shootings, 11. Nationwide, country of 325 million plus 30 million illegals. It's a problem, but it's not that big of a problem. All right, when we get back, we'll have your calls. 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037, right after this. it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. When my co-author Nathan Whitaker was nine, he went skiing with his parents in Colorado. All along the slope, signs were posted with the warning, beware of snow cats. After three days of skiing, Nathan said, Daddy, have you seen one yet? Seen what, Nathan? A snow cat. Smiling, his dad explained that the signs were referring to snowplow-like machines, not a wild cat. Nathan was relieved. But despite believing that at any given moment a snow leopard could leap out from anywhere on the slopes, Nathan never stopped skiing. Instead, he pointed his skis straighter to be ready to outrun the danger. No matter what you face in life, just keep on skiing. New York Times best-selling author Tony Dungy. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. 
Just how many genders are there? Scientific evidence has shown that our DNA is encoded male or female. There are no other designations at the genetic level. Tell that to legislators in Massachusetts. Their attempt to follow the trend in Europe of permitting a third gender designation of X on driver's licenses was thwarted by a quick-thinking Republican, State Representative Jim Lyons. Lyons knew that each amendment to a bill in the Massachusetts state legislature must be given 10 minutes for debate and three minutes of voting time. Instead of considering the X designation only, he added all 73 of Facebook's gender options for consideration as well. Debating all of the gender options would cause their reasoning for allowing just the one addition to fall apart. As time was of the essence, as Lyons completed amendments for 35 of the 73 gender options, his Democratic counterparts withdrew the bill. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Securing America. The United States could start playing war games again on the Korean Peninsula. The Trump administration had said it would suspend joint military exercises with South Korea as part of discussions with North Korea. Tuesday, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis told reporters large-scale exercises could return. We have no plans at this time to suspend any more exercises. Secretary Mattis said the decision to suspend exercises was made in good faith as a result of the Singapore summit. We also knew uh, very clearly this was going to be a long and challenging effort to negotiate this away. As you know, that war began in 1950 and has never ended. The news comes after President Trump canceled Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's planned trip to North Korea this week, citing a lack of progress on denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. CNN is being torn apart from within based on their being caught in a major lie and refusing to admit the mistake. Sloppy Carl Bernstein, a man who lives in the past and thinks like a degenerate fool, making up story after story is being laughed at all over the country. Fake news. Uh, the president just tweeting that moments ago. Back with the panel. Uh, this has to do with CNN and Lanny Davis being a source for a story that he says is no longer true for about Michael Cohen. Right, and CNN uh, now continues to stand by its story, even saying that they had other sourcing for this claim that Trump had um, uh, knowledge of the Trump Tower meeting before it happened. It's hard, though, uh, to see where that other sourcing would come from, other than Lanny Davis, who admitted being the source, um, and now walks it back. The larger picture here, though, Brett, is Trump is, I think, continually saved by three things. One is a, a news media like CNN, which sometimes discredits itself with some of its uh, false reporting and also its bias. Another thing is the lack of a credible Democratic alternative, right? Because we look at the Democrats, it's impeachment, it's abolish ICE, it's Medicare for all. And then the third thing, which of course is always neglected in the midst of all these scandals, is the American economy. And the, the news there continues to be good with the consumer confidence and uh, GDP numbers just today. Wow. So um, GDP just revised up again to 4.5%. Um, I believe that's what I saw, 4.4, 4 4.5%. So still being revised upward. The economy is roaring. And we're not seeing the president get a lot of credit for that. So it's the uh, last segment of the first hour. We love to take calls during this time. If you'd like to get in the call queue, it's 866-963-2037. Um, let's speak with George um, 
on the school shootings. Thanks for calling in the show. Yeah. Yeah, how are you, uh, Tracy? Stacy, and I'm doing great. <laughs> okay. Um, I had to laugh. It came from, you know, really getting too serious about that situation with the uh, uh, speaking about uh, monkeying around. I think what it boils down to is some people um, are not comfortable in their identity. They're very um, insecure. And that should tell a lot of the Democratic voters, don't vote for this guy. He's insecure, amongst other things, he's insecure. He doesn't know who he is. He's not stable. He might fly off the handle about a lot of different things. So the only thing you can do for somebody like that is pray for him and let them grow at their own pace. But he's not ready to be governor of, of Florida. He's not ready to, um, to be over a bunch of people because also he doesn't understand there's a lot of people my age and older who got enough sense to realize the thing she's talking about, free this and free that. It's stupid because it's like there is no free lunch. You have to know that going in. You can't do this for people. I mean, it's just, it's just fiscally totally irresponsible things that he's saying. And mm. people have to wake up. And, uh, and I'm saying it to any of the Democrats who are going to vote for, even Republicans are going to vote for. You know, think about what this man is really saying long term. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I have to agree with you. The things he's suggesting um, have been shown not only not to work, but to be budget busters. Like we're talking about um, just uh, they're they're unsupportable by taxpayers, things that just cannot work. And he's not just promoting them. He has to because his backers are George Soros and uh, the George Soros Foundations and some really hardcore lefty groups that want to see socialism in America. He's also an acolyte of Bernie Sanders. So he's really been indoctrinated into thinking that it doesn't matter if it works. What matters is I have to be elected and I have to push these ideas because the people who are pushing me are paying me to push them. Um, and so the monkey exactly. in it up comment is, is really it's like the sideshow. It's not it's not even when you're thinking about your, your meal. If you go to Red Lobster or someplace and they bring you that tiny little salad in the beginning the monkeying it up comment is not even that tiny salad at the beginning. It's definitely not the biscuits at the beginning because those are awesome. It's like something you order that you that the server forgets to bring to the table and you don't realize you didn't get it until you get home. That's the monkeying it up comment. It's just not not even it's not even worth discussing. Exactly, exactly. And you got to surround yourself with people that are more intelligent than you and are going in the direction that you want to go, and you glean from them. Um. And him, I, 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 I mean, if he really sat down and thought about it, studied history, really looked at his position, looked at the things he's saying, he, he would come up with a, a probably a different approach. Well, we would hope. But um, sometimes the indoctrination is just oh so strong. Oh, so strong. And, and people are unable to overcome it. The answer, though, is, um, you know, to, to think about what works and then to vote accordingly. Thank you so much for calling the show, George. I appreciate your uh, your call. Um, oh, okay. So if you'd like to get in before the end of the show, there's still a little bit of time left. The call lines are open at 866-963-2037. Um, so what George is mentioning, and, and we will get into this a little more in depth with Mason Weaver when he comes on the last segment of next hour, is the policies that have been promoted by this gentleman. This uh, this guy, um, he 
is uh, he's pushing universal health care. And I mean, all the same old, same old that Bernie Sanders has promoted as well. Um, notice how Bernie Sanders, like if you if you listen to any of the interviews, we should have like a Bernie Sanders segment where we play all of the audio of him kind of uh, 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 he gets to kind of you can hear him start cranking up when you ask him difficult questions like how does universal health care work in a system where we have so many different insurers, if you nationalize it all, then how do you pay for it all? How do you um, how do you get people to buy into it? What do you do for people who decide they're going to just stay out of it and they're not going to participate? Or is that what you want? Um, there's a there's there's a lot of people who've asked questions of of Bernie Sanders like this, and they have been routinely he just filibusters. He just lets you know, well, I'm not, I'm not really going to answer that. He just, he doesn't say, I'm not going to answer that. Or he'll say that these are the questions that naysayers always ask. And you're like, well, naysayers are, naysayers are asking these questions because this is important. How do we fund what you're promising? He can never answer. Uh, so I'm fine with him not being able to answer. But I think it's interesting that most Americans, I, I'm not sure if people actually tie it together that he's constantly pushing in ideas that he can't actually explain how they work. He just always points to other countries where he says it works. But then if you go online and research some of the other countries he's talking about, you'll hear these other people, the people from those countries talking about how it doesn't work. Oh, I don't use national health insurance. So that's people in, in Canada say that all the time. They have a private market that they can pay for. So they just pay into the private market. Their taxes go to the big, you know, the big market, um, the national health insurance, but they they pay out of their pocket for real health care if they can afford to. People who can't afford to just bumble through with what the government's providing. And they don't have the same kind of access that we have. I, I, I talk about it all the time. I And it's my favorite example because it is so important to be able to get testing to figure out what's wrong with you, like a CT or an MRI scan. These are scans that give the doctor a picture of the inside of your body, your organs and everything, and how, how those organs are interacting. And it uses contrast dye. They inject the contrast dye into your veins, you drink some of it, and then you go into the machine. And when you go in, the machine takes you know thousands of images of your body knits those images together inside of a computer program and then the doctor can literally use their mouse to spin your torso or you know your your chest whatever they've CT'd they can spin it around and look at it and I, I know this because when I've had a CT done and the doctor says well it's kind of inconclusive and I get that face you know that face like I've, I've drank that stuff and I'm feeling not so great you better find something up in there they they've showed it to me I'm like, oh my goodness, is that? And they point out your organs, the front of your organs, the back of your organs. Look at that space in between those two organs. That's normal. <laughs> in Canada, in one province, they don't have as many CT machines as we have in one hospital here in St. Louis. And as much as I like suburban St. Louis, we are not a world-class city when it comes to size and population and all of that, like some of the other, like, you know, size-wise, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., metro area, New York City. I like living here better than I'd like living in any of those places. I wouldn't want to live in any of those places. But when we talk about 
population size. We just don't have as much, but we have so many machines. One tower at one hospital has more machines than a whole province in, in uh, Canada. So what does that mean for access? Nine-month wait. What's a nine-month wait if you have some kind of infection or some kind of communicating you know, abscess in, in, in your abdomen or, or your digestive tract? It means you're dead. That's what it means. All right, let's go back to the phones. We have Marilyn in Ohio. Thank you so much for calling the show, Marilyn. Hi. Hi. I, I am amused by your... Oh, you're dropping in and out. Or whatever. I, could, I that, couldn't hear that. that. Just, you dropped out for a little bit. Could you start again? Because I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll pump it up. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Okay, I was just saying I love the analogy about the wine boxes and uh, the stiletto shoes and all of that. But my question is, how does George Soros get by with so much power and so much money that he can buy these people? I I just don't get it, how somebody can do something like that. It's ruining our country. So, you know, there are That's some... All. Thanks, Marilyn. Thanks for calling and thanks for your comment. I'm glad you enjoyed that because I, I definitely... I get a little irked by them because they have a chapter here in St. Louis and I've actually been at one of their rallies. Not a lot of them, but... They, I've seen them getting out of their vehicles, and there's, there, and there's nothing wrong with being suburban. I live in the suburbs. I have, you know, I have purses. I, you know, I don't drink wine out of a box, but I get it. I, I'm, but I use those things to describe them because they're the kind of people who are so out of touch with their target audience, inner city blacks who are living in crime infested areas that it's not even they're not even in the same universe. Yet they deign to rain down their prognostications on inner city blacks about guns from on high from their safe suburban neighborhoods where response times from the police are less than 60 seconds. You know, I I live in a neighborhood like that. So, you know, it's one thing for me to talk about it. It's another thing for someone else who lives in a suburban area to talk about it. That we're we're in one area. It's another thing for people who live in that environment um, to talk about it. So you know, it's it's that's what I try to get across. As far as George Soros, there's so much that he's done that I can't even I can't even describe to you. But I I will say, guess who can? Ann Coulter. So she's written about him in a number of her books. She rips into him in this book. The resistance is futile. If you're interested in understanding how George Soros got all of that money to be able to do the things that he does and why he's been banned from certain um, Eastern. So in Eastern Germany, there are or not Eastern Germany, Eastern Europe. There are some countries, I think it's Poland and Hungary, who've banned George Soros from even operating in their country because George Soros tanked certain world markets in Great Britain to make a lot of money on the backs of the British people. It was like the, one of the great robberies of the century as far as him coming in and, and manipulating the market so he can make money. He does that all over the world. And now he's in America because he wants to destroy this country. And so when he tries to present himself as this kid who survived the Holocaust, it, it's, that's not it. That's not who this man is. He's, he's as dangerous as you ever think a person could be. And I would maybe we'll do a segment on George Soros and I'll share some of what Ann Coulter, the research that she put into her book um, about him. I, I have to make myself a note to do that. I, I, 
it's it's so it's crazy because you would think someone would have arrested him and brought him up on high crimes and misdemeanors for trying to destroy the economies of entire countries. But instead, he now he's in America. You know, he's just he's just here like a parasite riding on us, drinking our blood. That's what he's like. Um, we just have a minute left. Let's take one more quick call. Um, Reed from Texas. Hey, thanks for calling the show. You got about a minute. Thanks, Stacey. Um, love the show. Just wanted to make a comment. Um, you know, you talk about this uh, exaggerated number of school shootings, but it yeah. kind of goes along hand in hand with the indoctrination that our children have been getting for years from these educators, these so-called educators that are you know, teaching our kids uh, reading, writing, arithmetic, and so forth. Um, the, these people are, they have their own agenda. And it fits their agenda perfectly to exaggerate the number of school shootings to try to control what goes on in this country. I'm going to hang up now so that I can hear your comments. Have a great sure. day. Thank you. Thanks for calling the show um, and, and for the compliment. I definitely, I agree with you. You hit the nail on the head. In fact, um, it's one of the reasons why I really, I, I think one of the primary things that parents should do, and I know school year just started, but it's never too late is evaluate whether or not what their kids are getting in their public school because there are still very high quality public schools out there that don't indoctrinate but for the most part if you're in a major metropolitan area the k-12 education system in your area is probably engaging in some of this it's national should your children be there are they getting the education that you want them to have as american citizens evaluate that think it through and then make your decision and act on it they're your kids you'll be held accountable for them and we have to make these choices all right that's our one we'll be back with our two right after these messages we'll have mason weaver so come on back Being there is half the battle. OneMillionDads.com exists to help Christian fathers to be present and intentional in the lives of their children. Our hope is to wake up the fearsome wonder that is the mighty man of God and restore him to his role as leader, teacher, and counselor. Visit OneMillionDads.com. OneMillionDads.com.